disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. Oh, these are always fun ones. It's kind of like a take a break from the politics of the day, and let's talk about some interesting fun mystery type stuff so i'm bringing my friend lee kirkland back on the podcast today he is uh he he owns a company called uh creepy people management and not the bad kind of creepy the good kind of creepy like people that investigate paranormal stuff that's what he does he manages personalities that you see on tv um that deal with um uh paranormal type stuff so he acts as kind of like their manager like you know, like an agent, so to speak. And he puts on a really cool event in Lexington, Kentucky called CryptidCon. And you can find out more about it at CryptidCon, cryptidcon.com. It's C-R-Y-P-T-I-D-C-O-N.com. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, Anderson County guy, uh, good friend, uh, salt of the earth, just kind of one of my favorite people in the world. And I love what he does. His job is so interesting. He investigates the paranormal. And so... We're going to talk about, in this conversation, this one's wide-ranging, right? We're going to start off talking about cars, because for whatever reason, I've been on a kick lately where I do that. We're also going to talk about Bigfoot, and we're going to talk about uh, everything from spirituality, Christianity, God's existence, UFOs, and ghosts. Like That's how crazy this conversation is going to be. So if you are going to Kings Island... And riding a roller coaster, this one's like the beast, right? This is up and down and all over the place, okay? You're going to love it. So hang tight. First, though, I want to thank our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Guys, I don't talk about businesses that I haven't worked with or haven't fully researched and know what their character is. And in this case, I've done both. In this case, I've been a customer of theirs for years. Before we moved to Colorado, we enjoyed three or four years in our house with Louisville Cabinets and Countertops having come in and redone our kitchen. And it was beautiful. And I'm confident that one of the reasons our house sold so fast was the beauty of that kitchen. So if you're thinking about either selling your home or maybe taking advantage of the really low interest rates right now and doing like a home equity loan if you plan to stay there forever, but it's time to get that dream kitchen, give Louisville Cabinets and Countertops a call. It's 502-930-3304. Quartz countertops, granite countertops, other hard surface countertops, or laminate. To any type of cabinetry, you're talking modern, sleek, shaker, traditional, country, whatever fits your style, they've got it, and they've got designers that can help you uh, work on that. Michelle, Kelly, and George. 6200 Hit Lane, Louisville, Kentucky, LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com, 502-930-3304. All right, let's get into the conversation with Lee Kirkland, CryptidCon.com, talking to him about his new car. And then Bigfoot, UFOs, God, his existence, the creation of the universe, and ghosts here on the Disruption Zone. Got your oil changed today? Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah, I was in Lawrenceburg, and uh, they had never seen, like, I got one of the new Kia Telluride's. Yeah. And it's, man, I love the vehicle. I really do. Um, But, like, so many people don't know what it is, and so when I pulled up, they started changing the oil, and they were like, well, we don't have an oil filter for it. <laughs> so they had to go across the street to Auto, AutoZone or something and get an oil filter for it. That's funny. I got, I got, I get asked. How many, so you just bought it? 
Uh, I've had it for a little bit. I had to order it. It just came in just a few months ago. Okay. Yeah, those are nice-looking vehicles. Um, oh, man, I love it. I just got my oil change yesterday, and it's uh, 169,000 miles on my truck. So I think I think what we're going to do is, um, you know, it was built Ford Tough at the uh, Ford truck plant there in Louisville. So I think I think what we're going to do is put a new engine in it when it's time and just keep it on the road. Are you really? Yeah, I love the thing. So. Huh. My brother-in-law it. just took the um, – in, I think it's outside of Bowl. Is there a Ford factory in Bowling Green or something? No, there's a, there's a Corvette factory there. I I don't think there's a Ford. There might be a parts supplier. I know the 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 truck plant yeah. is up in uh, Louisville, and they've got they make the um they make the Expedition. They make the Lincoln Navigator. Uh, uh-huh. I think they make the Nautilus. Um, and then of course they make all the like all the heavy duty trucks, like the Super gotcha. Duty, like F two fifty, three fifty, and on up. So my, my brother-in-law just took a job at, it, it must be, I know he said it was outside of Bowling Green, but he's the, uh, the plant manager for some Ford, some Ford factory. Yeah. It might be like a, like sometimes they'll have parts that are made in other places, um, that then like, you know, are close in proximity to where they need them, stuff like that. So I'm fascinated with the auto business. Um, yeah. I, I used to well, get behind, the, I used to get behind the new, cause F three fifties, like my dream truck. And, and I used to get behind the the new ones when they'd be testing them out on I seventy one. They test, they do a loop, they come out on seventy one, and then back around to the plant um, on the Gene Snyder. So yeah. it's it was it's kind of fun. So I'm actually googling it right now. I'm trying to see if there's a Ford factory in Bowling Green. I know they don't make the trucks there, but right, right. It looks like official Ford. Huh. This is interesting. They have something in Bowling Green. I don't know what it is, but they got something there. Yeah, I don't because they live in uh, Bartstown right now, and he's they're talking about moving to uh, to around Bowling Green. I know he said he, he took this plant manager job. Yeah, uh, he's like a he's a high school graduate, and he makes half a million dollars a year working in uh, automobile factory. <laughs> See, Seriously, you don't man. you don't have to have a college degree to be successful. I'm so sick of these people that say. <laughs> You have to have a college degree. I mean, all you're going to do is saddle yourself with debt. All you need is a work ethic, and and smarts has nothing to do with book smart. So obviously, he's very that's, smart. So that's his story. But here's the thing: people love him. Like he's so charismatic. He's so upbeat, and you know he's just a positive dude. And and people just love him. And, yeah. You know, I think his personality got him a long ways in, in the business. Like the, he worked for Toyota forever. The Japanese loved this guy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, now he's went, he's going to Ford. So wow, sweet. I'm a That's Ford funny. dude. I mean, I like the Ram too. Uh, I like the Chevy. I don't know, man. If it's American made, I dig it. Um, See, that's how you know. I was always like that too. I had a I've had two Ford Explorers, brand new, and this last one. That's what I just traded in on this, dude. I had less than sixteen hundred miles in, and it, it completely broke down. Really? Fuel injector, engine, water pump. I mean, yeah, it was just got it a, was limit. a limit. I could, yeah, got a limit. But I loved it. I mean, I really <laughs> did. But honestly, this right here, like I picked this over another Explorer, over a Tahoe. I, I love it. I mean, it looks sharp. I didn't want to spend, and I, it was still, I hate to say it, but it was still almost sixty thousand dollars <laughs> for a Kia. Yeah, but, you know, I'm not surprised. I didn't want to spend eighty for a Range Rover or whatever. Right. Yeah, that uh, the Kia is. Um, I mean, any more, any more. I think the pricing structure is pretty similar across the board. Um, we have a we have a Land Rover, and I freaking love it. But we bought it oh, used yeah. because I didn't want to. I didn't want to pay the price for a brand new one. 
But I got to tell you, that is the best car I have ever driven in the snow. We got really? one of the, it's a little Evox, so it's not like real big. My wife drives it as right, her right. daily. And uh-huh. um, like where she works, they just got uh, people listening know I live in Colorado now. They just got like three feet of snow where she works at her office, just about 10 miles north of here. And that little thing, I've, I mean, that, that they took me when I went to the, when we went to the dealership, they took us, uh, cause I was like, I don't know whether I want a Range Rover or maybe a, like a Toyota, a Toyota, um, forerunner, but we got, they took us on their little off-road track that they have at the dealership. And I was like, we were, all, we were almost upside down. I was like, Frick, I'm buying this. Oh this God. thing's awesome. I love it. So <laughs> it's great on the snow, great. but they're expensive to Jennifer. service. Jennifer just put today, well, she's already put her deposit down on it, but she's getting one of the new Broncos. No! Are you serious? Yeah, yeah she's getting one. She's already ordered it. Oh, man, I'm so jealous. Those things are <laughs> badass. I, I, do, cool. I do think they copied just a little bit of the new Land Rover Defender, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, doesn't I agree. matter. It, those things are badass. She's I want a, one. She's pretty pumped up about it. She's going to get, like, the Alien Gray or something like that. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> So, so let's talk CryptidCon. Um, you know, I, I love what you do. It's such a fascinating thing um, to put something like this together. And you have been in a business that has been really devastated in a lot of ways by COVID. You've had to put off your CryptidCon twice, but you now have a date that you can announce to people, right? I do, yes. We finally settled on November the 20th and 21st. Awesome. So that is sure. going to be that is going to be in Lexington, at uh, which which um, which hotel is that going to be at again? With the the Clarion North uh, Convention Center. Yes. Uh, it should start five seventy five there in Lexington. Awesome. Very easy. To do. Yeah, and that's a nice facility too. So, how many people can you hold? Uh, you know, actually, we're expanding a little bit this year. They um they did some remodeling, and so they're going to be having a. A larger area open so we're going to be able to hopefully we're going to be at full capacity in november regardless yeah um but you know the last time we had it there we we pushed over 3500 so man with the, the lineup we've got this year we're hoping at least to get 5000 in there if we can that's awesome man that's going to be fantastic so we'll talk more about how people can buy tickets but the other thing that you announced this week was some of the folks that are going to be there and i'm pretty excited about this if you <laughs> Have ever watched the show uh, uh, Finding Bigfoot? You're probably going to want to tune into CryptidCon because you guys are going to have the cast there. We are. This is the first time uh, that the entire cast has done a convention together, so we're really pumped up about that. So uh, you know, people can come in and get their picture taken, you know, with the entire crew and and uh, hear their stories from Finding Bigfoot, and and uh, you know, it's going to be a it's going to be a great opportunity for people, especially fans of the show to come and meet the, the entire cast all at once. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so we're going to talk more about CryptiCon, but I'm going to talk kind of about the business, what you do, because I'm I'm one of those guys, and you and I have talked about this before. I am, a, I am a, how do I put this? I'm an, open, I'm an open-minded skeptic, right? So when it comes to things like paranormal, um, cryptids, things like that. I'm generally what I would call an open-minded skeptic, meaning I typically, my first response is to not believe, but to be fascinated. And so I'm, I'm right in that like target demo of those types of TV shows. My wife and I just finished watching the series. Um, I think it's the, it's, it's a TV series they put together about Skinwalker Ranch in the Winter oh, yeah. Basin in, in uh, Utah. And, um, 
it, it you know my wife is like the she's like the straight laced <laughs> everything is has an, a scientific explanation and I'm like the dreamer like well you never know and she was done <laughs> with that show about two episodes in me I was hooked <laughs> the whole way how how much of of this business when we talk about these TV shows you know ancient aliens finding Bigfoot Skinwalker how much of this is totally fake done up just for the show and how much is real in your opinion well i'll, I'll tell you a little story that i heard from uh, the finding bigfoot cast um these guys are legitimate i mean they they are true researchers um and there was at one point and bobo will tell you if you ever speak to him it was like how in the hell are we supposed to find bigfoot when we're tramping around with you know 20 different you know uh, uh people production crew right so they, they know what, you know, they know that it's going to be difficult, but people were still, you know, in, in, in delved with the show and they've gotten some evidence on the show. Right. But, um, there was a, a specific incident that happened with the, the, the cast, um, that somebody found out where they were, were, and they were, they were getting kind of this, they were getting some, uh, some evidence, I guess. Well, when Moneymaker found out that it was somebody actually doing it, they said he lost his mind and just, you know, so they're not faking this stuff. I mean, they're out there truly trying to find evidence and it's, it's, you know, it's really cool. That, um, that was, there's a things. show. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I don't want to interrupt you. There's a show that's, that's going to be coming on soon. It's called expedition Bigfoot. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. Uh, is it related um, to expedition unknown with Josh Gates? It is not. Okay. No, it's a different cast. Um, but they have a primatologist and, and a scientist on their team. And man, they just released that they found, they did the eDNA stuff where they're testing the um, the DNA out of like random streams and stuff out in the wilderness, and they found like a primate DNA that was inconclusive. They just said it was primate, right? And you know where they found it at? Where? Harlan County, Kentucky. No, they did. Yes, so that's that's going to be coming up soon. Like they're they're getting everything in, getting all their ducks in a row to release all this new information, saying they found this primate eDNA. In Harlan County. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I'm really excited about to get the details on that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, because when you were talking about the when you were talking about uh, finding Bigfoot, I've always wondered, and you kind of answered the question for me because my question was always, all right, did the town? Because they always have that little town hall meeting when they go into town, and I'm right. like, I'm like, if the town hall meeting, if they know where they're gonna be, that they're gonna be in there, then then what's to stop somebody from just going the next holler over and beating on a tree and pretending like it's right. that? So what you're telling me is that generally that when they're out doing their hunting, the town doesn't know they're there yet. Oh, they keep everything quiet. Okay. So in this yeah. one instance, someone found out, it leaked out, and and they got upset. Okay, so that, that makes a lot of sense. So let's go back to Harlan, Kentucky. Have there been a lot of sightings in Harlan, Kentucky? Not that I know of, man. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I've told you before that, that Lawrenceburg, Anderson County, uh, has the highest concentrated sightings in in the state of Kentucky. Um, but Harlan County up in black mountain region is just, man, it's remote, you know, yeah. it's mountainous wooded. I mean, right. there's not a lot of people around there. So, um, I just think it's really cool that that happened there. I just, you know, I don't have all the details on it yet. Yeah. Um, I actually reached out to the, the scientist that, that discovered it and uh, I've got a conference call set up with her this weekend. So, um, you know, who knows? I may be, uh, may be reeling her in to, for representation soon and, yeah. Maybe I can get her to come on your show. Yeah, we would love to talk to her. Um I'm I'm fascinated again, like I said, I'm an open minded skeptic, which means I like to hear the stories. I like to postulate what could it be. 
Now, as you know, I live in Colorado now, and I do a lot of backpacking. I do a lot of hiking. I'm in the wilderness quite a bit. I've sent you pictures. You know, I'm like, you're like, hey, yeah, that's yeah. good squats, honey. Like- <laughs> <laughs> um, and I got, I, I got to tell you, I've never seen anything that I couldn't explain. That being said, I have seen the wilderness in a way that makes me believe that it is possible. There are species out there we have not found because I don't think, I think especially if you live in a place like Kentucky where rural is, is the real deal, but it's, it's not rural like it is out West. Like I, 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 it's hard to, you've been out here. I mean, it's hard to explain. You can go 30, 40, 50 miles and never see a street or house light in parts of Colorado. So when, when you're talking about that kind of wilderness, it's a little different than just driving through farm after farm after farm. It is highly believable in these forests out here. But what fascinates me the most is that Lawrenceburg and Anderson County, which to me is, while it's rural, it's still pretty populated. That fascinates me. And there's there's one concentrated area in Anderson County that a lot of these sightings has happened on or in and around. And it's kind of backs up to the wild turkey distillery and down in Tyrone. Okay, yeah. but it's called the uh, the Fraser Farm or old, the old Fraser Land is what it's called. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's about six thousand acres there. Right. And, and man, that's sustainable for something to live in six thousand sure. acres and not be seen, especially if there's no there's no houses or anything around there. Right. Uh, so I mean, that's that's where a lot of these sightings happen. Uh, is right in that little area of Anderson County, and then there's some area between Shelby County and, and Anderson County as well. Right. Uh, with a lot of sightings. Well, you know, I had. Um uh, the, uh, the scientist, you actually work with him, uh, Jeff Muldrum. Um, you had, you helped me get him on the program and he's been on a couple of times and he actually, cause I asked him the same question cause he was talking about how he, you know, I said, well, surely whatever this is, it has to be confined to the, the great American West where there's just so much more. And he said, you would think that intuitively, but he goes counterintuitively, and then he kind of explained why there could be places in Kentucky where there could be these these spottings. And he said, understand that this is the type of animal that is not – he doesn't care about your fence. So, you know, in terms of being able to say, well, look at all these fences and properties and all this kind of stuff, he's not worried about your property line. You know, if there's a, an area of forest on your farm that is suitable habitat, you know – He's going to go there, and then if he needs to move to another farm, he's not going to worry about the fence that separates the two. And so when you when you look at Kentucky from that perspective, then you can see how there might be a sighting here or there, but generally, um, you know, there are places for them to be because it's clearly good habitat. Absolutely. Yeah. And I still think, you know, people that see them, it's so funny whenever we're out doing promotional work and whatnot – and, and people will walk by and I'll have a Bigfoot cast out on the table just for a conversation piece, you know? Right. Uh, and people will kind of snark and, 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 and kind of make a remark about it. And then that same person is going to come back around and say, you really believe in that? And I'm like, I don't disbelieve in it. I'm, I'm like yourself. And, and uh, then they'll come back around again. You know, when I was a kid, I saw something. You know, they always have that story <laughs> where they want to yes. come back to you. They yes. just want to test you out and make sure you're not going to make fun of them if they say, if they say that they've seen something. Right. So. Right. You know, I don't know how many people may have saw something on their farm and be like, ah, it was just a big dog or it was, you know, there was something over there. I don't know what it was. I'm going to sound crazy if I tell somebody about it. Right. So I think some sightings do not get reported for that for that purpose. I mean, yeah. People are like, oh, what was that? I, people are think I'm crazy if I tell somebody about it. Probably that. the most credible witnesses will never tell their story. Exactly. You know, I now I can tell you 
in a place like Colorado, I'd say 90% of the sightings are a bear standing up on its hind feet. Because if yeah. you see a black or a brown colored bear, you know, standing on its hind feet in the middle of a pine forest, it, it would be unbelievably easy to mistake that for something that was like a primate walking upright. That being said, there's been there's been sightings that are more credible than that, that, you know, but I also also I also think that when I say 90 percent of them might be something explainable. I believe there's a good percentage of the sightings where they're not lying about having seen something they didn't understand. Now, maybe we can explain it, but I don't think most people that are coming forward are, are making up the story, so to speak. You know, whenever you look at somebody and they're telling you a story and they're so intense and they got tears in their eyes. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's different, man. Like I believe a lot of these people and you know, it's, I don't disbelieve them. You know, there's times where I'm like, ah, this person might be a little, right. a little nutty, but, um, Man, when you have somebody that's like, I've never told anybody this story, but you know they they see that we're out promoting it, so they feel like they can talk to us, right? And right. Uh, man, they're tore up over telling people about it. Yeah, and uh, no, uh, people think I'm crazy if I told them that. Did you? you know, and you get to working with farmers and hunters around around Kentucky, and it's, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, they, yeah. they're they're pretty. Um, they worry about what people think about them, I guess. Right. You know? Oh, sure, sure. And they're not just going to come out with a story like that unless they huh. feel like you're actually going to believe them. Um, did, did you? Do you ever? Uh, did you listen to the Joe Rogan episode with? Um, oh, what's his name? The guy from Fire in the Sky. The the yes, Travis Walton. Travis yeah. Walton. Did you listen to that episode? I did. Yeah. What was your What was your take on Travis Walton? What was your take on on his story and that that appearance? Man, I've worked with Travis a couple of times, and I've actually had him at CryptidCon. Um, I've known his story, and, and he's never, never drifted from the same story. Yeah. Um, you know, he feels like that he was brought aboard that craft to help him, uh, like he was uh, kind of incidentally hurt right. uh, from that blast, and then they brought him on there to help him. Um, but yeah, his his story is amazing. I love it. I mean, it's and, and plus I loved that movie as a child. I was scared to death watching. It's the scariest thing in the world. Yeah, I uh, when I when I listen, you know, I, I I grew up in southern Arizona, probably about a two hour drive from where that happened. And I, you know, I I can tell you again, that's another place where whether it's Bigfoot sightings or or UFOs or whatever, there's some weird stuff that people have seen in Arizona. Um, I never again. I I have looked, man. I I used to go. My friends and I we would take my dad's conversion van out to the airport in Sells, Arizona, which is literally we we have a deal with Kit Peak Observatory, um, which is on a seven thousand foot mountain, ironically named Kit Peak, uh, between Tucson and where I grew up. And the city lights are actually amber and point down so that there's no light pollution. And we would drive out about 10 miles out to the airstrip, which was just a dirt airstrip. There was no lighting, no nothing. We'd climb up the ladder on the back of the conversion van. We'd all lay down on the roof of the van, turn out the lights, everything dark, and then watch the the, the galaxy basically come into focus. And we saw, we saw, you know, satellites, but we never saw anything. However, my dad was an eyewitness to the Phoenix lights. And That's cool. growing up where I grew up, we were right between um, Davis Monthan Air Force Base and one of the uh, main bombing ranges and test ranges. And so we saw flares all the time. We would see, you know, Air Force jets dropping flares all the time. We knew what they looked like. And my dad isn't one to make things up. And he said that didn't look like the flares that we saw, you know, always seeing. So yeah. 
that kind of brings us kind of full circle. When I was listening to Travis's statement, I felt like there was some stuff that's happened later in his life that maybe, I'm not saying he's being dishonest. I'm saying more that he maybe thinks or believes about whatever his experience was, probably maybe even associated with some of the therapies that he's had. But I do believe that that something crazy happened to him in that forest in northern Arizona. I believe it 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially with the government just coming out saying they have crafts that are right. not made of this, not made of this world. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, unless they're just trying to to keep from creating a mass hysteria, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what else to think. I mean, right. So let's talk about that a little bit because one of the things that I was fascinated with the Skinwalker Ranch TV show, and my wife and I, we kind of talked about it after we watched the whole series and. Clearly, there's a rich guy in Salt Lake City who wanted to be famous, so he funded a TV show for, you know, History Channel. It was a very good show. Um, I forget the scientist guy's name from Alabama, but he's pretty cool. Probably the coolest character on there. But um, the thing that I told my wife, I said, look, I, I don't know about all the spiritual stuff. You know, I, I don't know about that. That To me, some of that stuff seems made up. But what I do wonder about is the light beams that they captured the uh, the energy that they proved is kind of at a focus point right above the ranch in the middle of the Winta Basin. And it occurred to me, I was like, you know, you see all the stuff that's come out about the Tic Tac and the the gimbal video and now the, you know, the Pentagon basically saying we have off-world craft. We're not, you know, we're trying to recalculate it. And I, I think about the fact that it does make sense to me that we could be dealing with a technology we've just simply never heard of or seen before whether it's from another planet, whether we somehow figured out what the Nazis were up to. They were into all kinds of weird technology that we may have captured at World War II and maybe just didn't tell anybody we had. You know, there's something there that is different than anything we've ever seen before, and I do firmly believe that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I do, 100%. Have you ever seen a UFO? Man, I've seen a few things that I couldn't explain. Um, So one was as a child that it kind of slowly followed. It was me, a friend, and my mother driving uh, in Paraville. I I know that you you know that area. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's where I actually grew up. And um, it was following us, like hovering over us. And it wasn't that high off the the ground. Um, And we were all watching it. And then it, once we stopped and all kind of stuck our heads out the windows, it shot off really fast and I was young. Uh, I was probably 10 or 12, uh, but I still remember seeing it. And I, I know that I saw it. It wasn't something, but I was telling some people about it. We, we, we owned a little old country store back when I was young and I was telling somebody else about it and they claimed to have saw the same thing that night. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can't say all, oh, yes, it can be a UFO because it's unidentified. Right. But, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Are you sure uh, it's not swamp gas? Isn't that the st- who <laughs> <laughs> was swamp gas? <laughs> Do a press release. <laughs> yeah. I, that, by the way, the last time we talked, you sent me that picture of the apparition on Perryville Battlefield. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. That was crazy. That's legitimate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was. Yeah. And now, now my like, as you know, my wife is from there, not Perryville, but very close to it. And so I showed her that she was like, she's like, I got goosebumps. And this is like the That's logical weird. one of us. But that was like, I don't know how you make that up. You know what I mean? That that was yeah, I mean, weird. It's it's that's legitimate. I mean, without a doubt, I was there. 
I was I saw it being taken and so did I know, you I mean, did I know, you see the apparition and no. the photo but or the apparition only showed up in the photo it only showed up in the photo and there was three consecutive photos and it was not in the first one or the last one weird yep and there's no way it could have been a reflection or anything like that. Not at all. And what makes you, what makes that even, what makes even more sense in asking that question is that if you remember, there was a cedar tree behind the apparition that you could actually still see the cedar yeah, tree. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, uh, man, it's just, so it's just a, I don't know. It's so I amazing. had, it's amazing. Yeah. I had Nick Groff on, thanks to you. Um, uh-huh. And we had a long conversation about this. And he, he made a, he said, he said to me something that kind of like, is really profound because I asked him, I said, what do you think ghosts are? And people should go back and listen to that episode. Go dig it up in my, on my website, the disruptionzone.com. It's really worth it. Cause we had a lot of talk about spiritual stuff and things like that. And I Nick asked him, a, he's a deep thinker. Yeah, he is. I said, what do you think it is? And he said, it's possible. It's like an echo of time. So like, Time, as I was thinking about this as a Christian, I, I like to think a lot about like eternity and how's that possible and, you know, the the creator's relationship with the creation and that kind of thing. And I was actually thinking about this the other night, and pardon me if I get a little too deep here, but, you know, God operates outside of time. Time is actually more of an illusion. It's how we experience the universe we live in based on the laws of that universe, right? So if, if time is kind of bendable, warpable, and we know this scientifically that it is bendable and warpable, are there points in history where time sort of bends back on itself? And that's kind of what Nick was saying. And I was like, holy crap, like that might be how what, what seems to be, maybe it's just an echo of an action that somebody was taking and some people are able to actually perceive it because time is perception. It is a perception. That's what it is. So some people might be either spiritually sensitive enough or whatever that they can actually perceive this. So it's almost like you're looking back in time at the echo of the action and that perhaps certain actions like a fierce battle leave an imprint on time that causes echoes throughout future. Does that make sense? Like that kind of I was like, okay, it, it, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. You know, and that, and and I do agree with that to an extent, um, as far as some, some spiritual activity, right. um, right. you know, there's hauntings called, um, uh, like a residual haunting mm-hmm. and I've experienced these residual hauntings. You know, we, we've been fortunate enough to travel all over the country and, and investigate paranormal. Um, and you'll see something happen and it may be just like what you mentioned, a soldier in a battle mm-hmm. that, that it has no idea that you're there. It's not going to interact with you. It's just going to march, you know, from this point to this point. Right. And you're going to see that there every so often. It's going to be on the same path, the same, you know, everything. That feels like um, an echo in time. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, that's what we we refer to as a residual haunting because it's residual. It just continues. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would that would fit in the exact same you know description that you, what what you're mentioning. Right. Um, but but then again, you know I, I've I walked into a room once by myself. There was nobody else in this on this first floor of this house, and I, I look across the table and I see a young man sitting there, and I ask him what he's doing there. I didn't recognize him in being with the group, and so I was asking him to leave, and he looked at me. He made eye contact. He you know I saw him blink. And uh, as I got just across the table from him, he disappeared. What? So I had an interaction with this guy. Yeah, absolutely. And so, 
I was like, oh my God, you know, I wasn't afraid. I thought it was a person that I was asking to, to leave, tell them they need to leave because they didn't need to be in the house. It was, uh, there was a private group there. And so, but this guy acknowledged me when I was talking to him, he turned and looked at me. And I, like I said, I saw him blink even. And I was that close to him. I mean, within a few feet and he disappeared. There was no like fading away or anything. It's just like he wasn't there anymore. But but and, he was, uh, but he looked like a real person. It wasn't like a see-through apparition. Yeah, it was like I a could, real man, person. I could draw a picture. A real person. I put a flashlight on him. He, he, he illuminated when I hit the, hit him with the flashlight. Um, he was wearing a white collared shirt. He had a, like a, I call it a Dapper Dan hard part, like with a wave part. Um, he had a strong chin line, had a cleft chin, you know, like a cleft in his chin. Um, I mean, I, I, very, very detailed. I mean, I saw this guy, but, um, the craziest part about this that validated that for me was we did an event at the same house. This was in here in Harrodsburg, uh, Kentucky. And a lady had come up that was at the Fort Herod. It was right next to the Fort Herod. And she said, I just saw you guys up here. And, you know, I saw a bunch of cars. I wanted to come see if I could look at the house. Cause I grew up here. She said it was, uh, my grandparents owned this house and she was probably in her late sixties. She said that her grandparents owned her house, owned this house, and she would spend the night there when she was a little girl. And um, she said, have you ever seen anything? And I was like, actually, yeah. I just told her that same story and described that same apparition that I saw. She hit the ground. She fell on her knees and started bawling and saying that that was her uncle. And he went missing when he was 16 years old. Nobody ever knew where he went. Really? And she said, I described him to a T. She's like, she said, I wish I could find pictures of him to show you how you know, how you described him and just to see if that's who you saw. And so, I, I mean, I thought that was pretty good. Valid. I had no idea who this lady was right. and she was in tears on the story. I told her Jeez. and she said that that was her uncle that had spent time in this house as well. And that he went missing when he was 16 years old. And it was a young guy whenever I saw him, you know, I, don't, yeah. I, I couldn't put an age on him when I saw him, but you know, but that's not a residual haunting. That's right. something intelligent looked at me and, and acknowledged me talking to him. And yeah, you know, I, so I don't know what I don't know what a spirit like that would be unless it was just a true spirit, like if there was truly a uh, yeah know, a, a ghost yeah yeah or or demonic. I mean, you know, there's any number yeah. of ways that it could that they could you know could appear to people or I don't know. I mean, I I can't I can't think of a logical explanation. No, not at all. I mean, and and I have my own theory on 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 demon activity, demonic activity, and. And, you know, I think it's got to be welcomed. I really do. I think people go out looking for it because they think yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Well, I, do, I, I, I agree with I, that. Yeah. It's hip. Um, but I'm not big into thinking that because of my religion as well, I'm a right, Christian. Right, right, right. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go say, hey, there's a little girl spirit that lives here. Right. Man, I, I don't think that my God would leave a child spirit right. here on earth. I right. I just don't, you know. There, there's, so, there, there could just be things that we don't understand about the afterlife that we won't know until we cross over until we meet God, you know, like you're saying. And it's like, you know, we don't exactly know how all of that is designed. Um, you know, so to profess that, 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 you know, we do, or that this is the, this is the only plausible explanation for this or that, you know, would be wrong because that's, that's one of the things I was, I was reading in the, okay. So since you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, we can talk about this. It's kind of fun. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the archeological Bible. Um, uh, I think so. Okay, it's it's awesome. If you can find a copy, apparently it's not in print anymore. But if you can find a copy, get it because it is really helpful if you ever have any doubts, because it goes into the actual historical veracity of the biblical stories, 
And one of the things that's interesting, and I, I just kind of looked this up last night, because I'm also fascinated with C.S. Lewis uh, and all of his books uh, from the Chronicles of Narnia, but also Mere Christianity, Screw Tape Letters, Problem of Evil. Um, one of the things that I was reading, I went back and I read Genesis 1, because I'm fascinated with sometimes it, within our religion, and, and feel free to disagree with me if you want, but within our faith, we have people that cling to this idea that the creation must have been seven 24-hour periods, Right. And what ends up happening when we do that is we get mocked by science because that's by 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 thinking of it from that perspective, we accidentally cause God and science to contradict when in reality, God and science do not contradict. And there's never been any evidence that they do whatsoever. So I go back and I read the first chapter of Genesis in the archaeological Bible. And then right at the front of it, it simply says there is no timeline associated with this story. And it says the original Hebrew, the word for day, or the or, or specifically the way it was written, morning and night, or or darkness and light periods, the, the the word for day had nothing to do with 24 hours. There were three possible examples. There was one that was close to 24 hours, but the other two could mean eras or unknown period of times between key events. That was a day, per the original Hebrew writing. So essentially what it was saying was it could have been six days, but it also could have been six billion years. It could have been six different eras. So the point I'm making in this is that we don't have a full understanding. God presented the story of creation to Moses and to the to you know to the patriarchs in a version that they would understand that they could pass on in future versions in the language would right. you know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying yeah. the Bible's a metaphor. That's not what I'm saying, because I truly don't believe that. I believe the Bible is the literal word of God, but I also believe we have a lot of misunderstanding of that literal word. Not to chase a rabbit trail, but does that make sense? It does. So, yeah. I mean, it's going back to me, basically my point about what you were saying. There's a lot about eternity we don't understand because we don't live in it. So to definitively, you know, you're, you're absolutely right to definitively say one thing or another. Um, what's the scariest thing you've ever seen? Scariest thing I've ever seen. Man, I've got. I, <laughs> I don't tell this story often. Okay, those are the good. Those are the good ones. So, those are the good I know, ones. I know, yeah. <laughs> so, being as a Christian, I, I still think that it was a demon. I really do. Okay. So I was um, approximately 15 years old. Um, I was with my girlfriend's sister who was driving. She was about 20, and we were in Harrisburg, and uh, we were waiting to pick my girlfriend up from her cheerleading practice. And so we were driving around town, you know, how cruise, you know, used to cruise towns and oh, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yep. And so we were doing that. And there was a guy that liked my girlfriend's sister at the time. And, uh, he was following around. She's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to lose him. We're going to drive out here and go down a country road. And I was like, all right, let's go. And it was dark. It had just gotten dark and we were driving down or North on 127, and took a left on an old country road. Um, and we're driving and, and man, I, I was in the passenger seat. And I can specifically remember the, the, the time, the sequences of, of everything that happened. And I was looking at a barn and I've taken my wife, my son, I've taken several people out to the same area and it's still the exact same setup. And I remember looking at the barn, there was like a security light on it. And as I was staring at that barn, she slams on the brakes and does the whole hand check, you know, throws her arm across to keep me from flying forward. And when I look around, there's a creature standing in the middle of the road. Whoa. And... I, I, 
first thing, first thing that I thought that I can describe is that it looked like a lion standing up on its back legs. And it had a, it had an elongated snout. It had like a hairier upper body. It had arms that were drawn up to its chest and it had like dog like back legs and a long tail. And it was stopped and it was staring at us probably 20 feet. I mean, very, very close. It was very tall. It was probably seven, seven feet or higher tall. And it was looking at us and we looked at it and she put it in reverse. And as she started to back up, it moved on across the road and went down in a ditch. And we don't, I I didn't follow it after that, but it moved in a, the best way I can describe it is a herky jerky type motion, you know, like old animation type Mm. motion. Yeah. And like it was papered walking uh, upright. And so, I mean, we were tore all to pieces, you know, and we, we said, Oh, we're never going to tell anybody this same thing I was talking about earlier. Like people are going to think I'm crazy if I tell people I saw this. Right. Right. But, but I thought that something was wrong because I thought I was seeing a demon, you know, I grew up Christian and, and that's, that was what I thought I was looking at. I, you know, I was scared to death. I just saw a demon. Your sister uh, saw it too. Uh, Cause obviously she slammed on the brakes. So you guys both saw it. Yeah. Her, well, her, yeah. My girlfriend's sister. Oh, your girlfriend's um, sister. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't like, I don't have, I don't know where this, and like, this has been out of my mind for a long time until recently when I started getting back into the cryptozoology stuff as what that really was. And so I've looked at trying to reach back out to her and I, I can't find this girl anywhere anymore. Fascinating. Um, so, but I, I will, I'm going to, I'm going to find her one day and just ask her, you know, reach out, look on Facebook, I've looked at everything to see if she remembers this, but yeah, you know, there's stories now about, um, dog man, like there's these dog man sightings all over. Right. And so. When I told, you know, some some Cliff and Bobo and, and these guys that that story, they're like, oh, you saw a dog man. You know, we believe it wholeheartedly. And, and was that what I saw? I have no idea. Yeah. I, to this day, I still think that I saw something evil. I think right. I saw a demon. Right. And so because That's... there's no logical explanation to it, what it looked like. I've never, you know, I didn't have any fabrication of that in my head. Right. As a, uh, you know, a 16-year-old kid. Right. Or 15-year-old kid. So... Man, it was it was seriously it was one of the one of the weirdest things, scariest things I've ever seen. I've seen several apparitions um, and, and whatnot, you know, different things happening, moving on its own, and yeah. But as far as like scaring me, because I, I related it to my religion, right? You know, I it really it really it really was scary. Yeah, that's fascinating. I I I wonder um, too if there's not again speaking from our faith i wonder too if there's not an increase in spiritual activity um tied to not only the ufo uh sightings but also i I was i had an interesting conversation with a pastor um and i said you know let's let's say that let's talk about these ufo sightings for a minute let's if you believe as we do that christ comes back for his church and raptures them up into heaven then at some point depending on which end times version you believe, because theology kind of gets in there and tries to parse something that's very hard to interpret. But depending on which version of that you believe, uh, they're going to have to have a strong explanation for why 1.5 billion Christians just disappeared, just up and left. (laughs) You know what I mean? What better explanation than the Pentagon says we have off-world vehicles? You know what I mean? It's like it could be something like that. Who knows? I thought the same thing, you know, well, yeah. it's a mass abduction. Right. You know, is what, what is going to be said? Yeah. I always so. get a crack out of like, cause I love Joe Rogan. We've talked about him, but <laughs> his, his tendency toward atheism fascinates me when at the same time he tends to seem to believe these ideas 
that we're all a simulation and all this this kind of stuff. And I'm like, aren't you just describing God? Like, like it, we right. if we were a creation of some ultimate intelligent being that decides to put together a society like ours and see what happens, you're kind of describing God. You're just leaving out the infinite mercy part and maybe the reason why he wants to do that. Then you go back and you read C.S. Lewis and you read, you know, um, uh, you know, mere Christianity and you, you, you overlay the idea of a simulation and suddenly you have an explanation for creation. And it's like, well, God needed there to be both good and evil so that we could have free will. Good and evil was a requirement. A lot, a lot of my atheist friends say, well, why would God let something bad happen to anybody if he's such a good God? Because he has to have free will if he wants us to choose to love him as opposed to being forced into servitude. If he wanted to, us forced into servitude, he'd just create a bunch of servants. But right. he didn't do that. He created people with free will. But in order to have free will, you have to be able to choose between one or the other, which requires both a good and a bad. You have to have a right and a wrong choice which explains morality. It explains why we all have this sort of moral compass, whether you're a Christian or not. Everyone's born with a sense of right and wrong. That's beyond what evolution can explain. And so, I, I mean, again, we're getting kind of into deep waters here, but ultimately I'm fascinated by people who think, hey, this is probably some big simulation put on by some superior intelligence. And I'm like, but there's also no God. <laughs> I'm like, okay, how's that work? You know? So, well, let's talk about how did you get into CryptidCon? How long have you been doing this? We're going into our, it's going to be five years now, but of course we didn't get to have it last year. Um, so I've always been fascinated by anything unknown. Uh, I think it's human nature to feel that way. Sure. And we had been involved with, with the paranormal, um, you know, ghosts and, and hauntings and stuff like that. We've done many, many events with that. And, um, I had the opportunity to go to our friend runs a, uh, the Ohio Bigfoot conference up in uh, Salt Fork state park. And, uh, he had Bob Gimlin as a guest up there and Bob Gimlin was with, um, Roger Patterson whenever they filmed the Patterson Gimlin footage of, you know, Patty walking across the, the Creek bed in, uh, uh, Bluff Creek, California, there, the right. most famous footage ever, you know? Right. And so, you know, Bob is getting up there in age and, and I'm still, man, I'm still just like you. I'm like, I want it. I want it to be. I want it to be proven, but it's never been disproven that there's not such thing. And so, you know, I thought it was a cool opportunity for me to take my son, who was a lot younger at the time, to go up and and meet Bob Gimlin and get you know get his autograph and get a picture with him. And because if if that is legitimate footage, you know, that's the most most important wildlife footage ever captured. Right. Right. And so. You know, I wanted I wanted Mason to have that opportunity. So, you know, one day if if Mason is my son, if it comes out that yes, there's Bigfoot, we have body, we have DNA, that was a real one right there, then then my son can say, Hey, I met the guy that was there when that was filmed. You know what I mean? So right. it's kind of one of those things that was sentimental to me, I guess, more so than anything. Yeah. But, but when I was up there, go ahead. the crowd was just amazing. I mean, and, and everybody was having a good time and everybody was loving it. And I was like, there's nothing like this in Kentucky at all. So I want to try to bring that to the people of Kentucky. And right. so that's kind of how the idea was born. Right. That's fascinating. I, I know, by the way, on the Patterson-Gimlin film, when I talked to, and this would be another episode for people to go look up, but the uh, uh, Dr. Jeff Meldrum, who is, by the way, a scientist at a major university in Idaho, um, the thing that he said, he, he actually described that video. I said, what makes you think that's real? And he said, because everybody subscribes or to the idea that it's some kind of, you know, 
suit, you know, whatever suit. He said, at the time that that was filmed, we absolutely know that the way that animal walked, that no one knew scientifically that that's the way that animal would walk. Therefore, it was impossible to fake because no one would have known to walk the way that that animal was walking very specifically. He's like, that, that, that wouldn't have been somebody in a suit because they wouldn't have known to walk like that. And they've been able to determine its gait from prints and things like that. And they're like, that you, you we didn't know at that time what this type of animal would, I mean, scientifically now we know how it would walk. So he's like, there's no way to fake it because they wouldn't have known. It was pre that knowledge. And I was like, well, that's kind of a good point. <laughs> well, I think like also the, um, it was done in 1967, October 1967. Yeah. And I think that the, uh, the original Planet of the Apes had come out right around that same time. Yeah. Uh, and you can just kind of see the, that was the best that Hollywood had. Right. You know, as far right. As those outfits. Right. And then, and then you have the, the Patty footage from Patterson Gimlin. Yeah. You know, it's kind of one of those things. So yeah, yeah. I just looked it up. So planet of the apes came out in 1968. So yeah. a year later. Yeah. Compare, and, compare uh, the special uh, effects ability. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, some, some guy in a, in a, in a costume shop's going to do better than what Hollywood could do at that time. So <laughs> that's a great point. So, um, CryptidCon itself, is it just Bigfoot, just cryptids? Are you going to have UFO experts? What all are you going to have there this year? This year, we're looking at as much as possible, man. I want to bring, I want to, because everybody's been tied up in their houses. Yeah. You know, everybody's, all events have been canceled for the last year and a half. So, you know, we're going to bring as much as we possibly can. So, uh, you know, I just announced the Finding Bigfoot cast. Um, we've got a lot more announcements coming. Um, I would. I'm hoping to have uh, some UFO people there. I've been in contact with uh, the the MUFON uh, Mutual UFO Network um, to see you know see if they have anybody locally um, because we've had so much stuff go on in the state of Kentucky with UFOs that I would like to have a, a you know an expert on that to kind of come in and talk to everybody. Right. Um, we are looking at you know more UFOs. We're going to have some more paranormal. Um, you know, any, anything unknown, you know, cryptid is, is, is unknown. So that's, that's what I want to bring to the, to the table for everybody. What has been happening recently in Kentucky with regards to UFOs? Is this something that I, I'm not aware of or. No, know, it's or? just, you know, I, I'm speaking of, you know, the, the old Stan, the, the Stanford incident, the, uh, the Louisville incident, um, yeah, the, the Kelly, the, 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 the Louisville, Louisville incident is the one where the police chased it in a helicopter. Correct. Yeah. They shot like balls of light at them. Yep. Um, uh, then there was the Kelly incident, you know, the little green man that was in, inspired Hollywood. Steve Bur- or St- Spielberg did uh, the gremlins. That's what he kind of molded the gremlins off of. Right. Uh, that incident. So you know, there's just so much history of, you know, USOs in Kentucky that yeah, I just I love that that research. Yeah. So yeah, that's fascinating. There was one I saw about uh, that happened in Eastern Kentucky that involved a train where the UFO crashed into the train. Oh wow! Um, where did I see that? I'm trying to remember which show I saw that. But there was there was damage to the train, and um, it was one of those things where apparently the military responded and then hushed everything up and hushed everybody up and all that. I do find it weird that we started seeing a lot more of these sightings and a lot of them concentrated around military and and nuclear installations right around the time we figured out how to d- destroy the entire planet with nuclear bombs. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, so let's talk about how people can come and be a part of CryptidCon. I want to see all those 5,000 people there. I think that would be awesome. 
Um, you can go to cryptidcon.com. That's the website. But how can people get tickets? And how can people stay in touch with you to hear the announcements about who else is going to be there? Well, uh, like you said, cryptidcon.com. Um, then we have every social media outlet, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, TikTok, all the all the, the social media network outlets. Uh, it's just cryptidcon. Um, so, yeah, you can keep in touch with us from there. That's where we're going to be making all the announcements. Um, hopefully we'll do more radio shows. Uh, uh, then locally we're going to have, you know, commercials and, and, and everything coming out locally. Awesome. Um, and we, we do a lot of giveaways. So, you know, if people say, well, I don't want to spend 20 bucks coming here and meet these guys and pay attention to the social media because we do a lot of giveaways. Right. Yeah. But 20 bucks to go out and have a good time, do something that, you know, you can kind of detach yourself from the everyday rigors of what has been COVID world. I mean, to me, that's like, bring it on, man. I, I, yeah, 20 bucks is nothing when it, when it, when you think about how long we've all sat in our houses and, not been able to get out and see each other and, and do things together. I mean, man, load the car up, make it a fun day. I think it's awesome. And it, we are children friendly. I mean, you know, kids love these guys and, yeah. and uh, they love the shows and, and all the celebrities are great with kids. I mean, they, they love them. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Lee, it is always great talking to you, my friend. I always enjoy it. Man, we went a wide range of things. We talked about God <laughs> and UFOs and ghosts and Bigfoot and up, cars. Man. I mean, it's like... This has been a crazy conversation. Yeah. <laughs> what else matters, right? We just need to throw in barbecue next time we talk. They're throwing a little, a little Man, food at I can, I can smoke some meats now. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Well, it's great talking to you, my friend. We'll talk soon, okay? You too, brother. I appreciate it. All right. Lee Kirkland, cryptidcon.com if you're interested. I am an open-minded skeptic. Don't shoot me. I'm an open-minded skeptic. I'm fascinated by these stories. And it's because I truly do believe that we don't understand everything in the universe. And as a result of that, there may be logical explanations behind everything we're talking about here. I don't know, but it's it's fun to think about. It's fun to speculate. It's fun to investigate. Um, and it's fun to talk about. So uh, I, I that to me, 20 bucks to go see this. That's money well spent, guys. I mean, if you're in the Lexington area or anywhere near that, that's money well spent. Just go hang out with these folks for a day. And even if you don't believe any of this stuff, it's still fun. So uh, so there you go. All right. Thanks for listening. I want to thank our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. They're so awesome. And I can say that. I don't talk about businesses that I don't fully support. And uh, I fully support them because I've actually been a customer of theirs, um, not once, but twice. We had them do our kitchen, then we had them do our master bathroom. And um, I got to tell you, I saw the work ethic of his crews firsthand, Tim Montgomery's crews. And I appreciate work ethic, and I appreciate craftsmanship, and I appreciate expertise. Someone who is passionate about what their craft is, and that is Tim Montgomery and his crew. So if you're thinking about redoing your kitchen Maybe it's time to sell your house and you want it to sell quicker. I believe ours sold in less than a day, partly because of the beauty of the kitchen. Or if you want to just take out a home equity loan right now while these interest rates are so crazy low and build yourself your dream kitchen because you plan to stay in that house forever, dude, call my friends at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, 502-930-3304, or stop by the showroom, 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville, and uh, just talk to George, uh, Michelle, and Kelly. They're all the designers on staff. Plus if you're a, if you're a do it yourself, 
uh, or a contractor. They've got cabinets in stock that are really high quality, super affordable, and they're in stock ready right now. And you can see some of those online at LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com is ridiculously beautiful. So if you have kind of a standard layout, but you just want to put beautiful stuff in it, man, that could work for you too. Any type of surface for your countertop, these are your guys. LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. Thanks to uh, Dynamics Audio Productions in Louisville for their help with the audio on this program. And to my good-for-nothing lazy co-host, Cameron Mills, we are actually working on a way to connect so that we'll be like in studio together, even though we're apart. And you're going to start hearing Cameron on the show quite a bit more in the near future. So that's going to be fun. Uh, big thanks to you, the listener, the thousands of people who download this podcast every week. Please leave us a good review at Apple Podcasts. That pushes the podcast out. The folks subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or iHeartRadio. Uh, iHeartRadio's app. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Leland Show and at Instagram or on Instagram at at the Disruption Zone. And you can follow us uh, on Twitter as well as at Zone Disruption and on Instagram at Great Lilando. And of course, Leland Conway on Facebook. Thank you guys for listening to the Disruption Zone.